1: Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of the U.S. this time where we've just finished an amazing conference. It was... Something that was spectacular. Um, We had one of my dear friends, Sister Esther, from North Korea. She's planted more churches in North Korea. She's handed out more Bibles in North Korea than anybody that I've ever met in my life. Uh, She's the only person I've ever met that has been in a secret prison in China, uh, a secret underground prison, detained, tortured, supernaturally. She was able to walk out of there. Um, And then she was arrested for preaching the gospel in North Korea. And if you've been arrested for preaching the gospel in North Korea, you don't walk out of that. And then we went straight from those meetings where she spoke for the very first time in America to where we had a conference where we brought together our sister Nagame from Iran. We brought together our sister Miriam from Sudan. We brought together Brother Yun from China, uh, Pastor Isaac Liu from China, Sister Esther from North Korea. And, And we had a surprise visit from Peter Shu, who's known as the Billy Graham of China. He also came and joined us. They were the only speakers. And what was amazing is that, that was the first conference that we've ever put together with these speakers. And the only conference that I know of where to be a speaker at this conference, you had to have been arrested and thrown in prison for your faith. And we were able to bring together speakers from Africa, Middle East, China, and North Korea. It was an amazing time of fellowship. I think we recorded something like 28 different languages that were there. God is doing something in the world today, and it's really exciting to be able to share with you, our listeners. But this is a special podcast. This is a special podcast that we have been doing about every week. This is Miracles Behind the Veil, where I bring on Sister Banu, and she comes and she shares from the fellowship that she has of former Muslim believers. Sister Banu herself is a former Muslim believer, so she knows how to connect with these women. And she is bringing us exclusive testimonies from the field that are days old from the time that she heard them. And I'm so excited that she has new testimonies to share with us today. Sister Banu, are you there? Yes, Eugene, I'm right here. So good to hear your voice again. Because of the conferences that we've been doing, you and I have had to postpone um, our recordings of this podcast, but I'm glad we got this one. And this week, I think that you got something special for us.
0: Yes, I do have. And as you were talking about China and not Korea, my heart was beating so fast because I don't know. India is going in that direction too. And... uh, uh, like, I don't know if you've been watching in the news, like how many pastors are being arrested and one third of the states in India have passed the anti-conversion bill. So it's I don't know. Like this is the second biggest populated country in the world, <laughs> one point four billion people. And there's so much persecution going on. So
1: Yeah, there is. Um and, and with You know, the people that you're talking to, the people that are a part of your weekly fellowships, they're facing this persecution on a daily Mm -hmm. basis. And people that are experiencing some of the most persecution in India are the Muslim converts. Mm -hmm. And people don't realize that there are more Muslims in India than there are in the countries of the Middle East. There's more Muslims in India than there are in Saudi Arabia. There's more Muslims in India than there are in Yemen. There's more Muslims in India than there are in Iran. There's more Muslims in India than there are in Iraq. I don't think a lot of people understand that. They don't see that. They don't know that. Yes. So
0: today we are going to talk about our sister Shamim. So the sister Shamim lives in North India. She and her husband, both are Muslim converts, both of them, husband and wife, came to the Lord. And they are not only facing the Muslim persecution because they live in the same neighborhood where they used to live, right across the mosque. And so. And then there's a government persecution surrounding. So it's like a double persecution. You know? There's nobody to help them. And they live with their two daughters there. I'm like, Lord, how do you all do that? So, like, you know, there must be some kind of a safe place. At least your um, neighbors or your friends around you should be there to support you because everybody's an enemy around that. So it's a very interesting story that we are going to talk about today. So. Uh, double persecution. Can we say that? Or I don't know. You are very good at names. What do you call this? <laughs> yeah, kind no, of persecution? I think you're right.
1: <laughs> See, people don't, what you're about ready to share, Banu, I don't think a lot of people understand that it's not just from the government. When we talk about China, it's government persecution. When we talk about North Korea, it's government persecution. When we talk about Iran, it's government persecution. When we talk about Saudi Arabia, it's government persecution. But people don't understand that that's just one way of seeing the persecution Uh, what we don't always talk about is that double sided persecution. And sometimes the worst kind of persecution comes from your own family, your own relatives, your mother, your father. How many times have we looked in the news and seen individuals? We did a story. We did a a children's book about uh, a young lady from Saudi Arabia who gave her heart to Christ, killed by her father, rolled up into Mm a, into a, a carpet, thrown into the desert her dead limp body abandoned by her own father this is yeah. this is what happens when the enemy gets in and begins to deteriorate the the love and the the affection that you can have for one another so yeah you're you're talking about um the the testimony that you're going to be sharing today is about that kind of double persecution not just from the government but from yeah. relatives as well go ahead jump in let us start giving us all the all the juicy details of this testimony that you've been biting at the yeah. bit to share with us.
0: Right, so I was really fascinated to hear because she comes from the state where the, the Hindu government is very strong. And she said that they have to close their doors and windows so that the police officers don't hear outside uh from outside and they and they are working among people called harijans do you know what they are
1: i don't think i've i've heard of this this is this a okay. minority group in um in india yes
0: they are actually they were called untouchables you know like the lowest caste people and then mahatma gandhi made gave a fancy name called harijans belonging to god so they are working for, like i mean the upper class hindus don't want them you know they don't they cannot be touched or they cannot be seen and it is still happening in india believe it or not there are untouchable groups the lower caste group is still existing in india you cannot even be, take their dead body uh, from, I mean, you cannot just bury them in the same graveyard, or you cannot even take their dead body through the streets where the high-class people are living. So and, they are and, working and Banu,
1: correct me if I'm wrong, I just want to share with our audience here that in India there is a caste system that is a religious Hindu or organization kind of of the people groups, and you are born into a certain caste, which makes sense if yeah. you believe in um, uh, reincarnation that some people yeah. are reincarnated as a higher level and some people are reincarnated in a lower level. And right. one of the things that I have understood, I've worked in India for years, but you may understand this different. You know, share with me your... Um, understanding if mine is off here, but the way that I have seen it is that with the caste system, one of the things that the upper class gets upset about is that when the lower class becomes Christians, they believe that they have been created equal. And this idea of equality is dangerous for the operation of the society because when you have people that are of an upper class or a caste system that's in the higher caste, and then you have people Mm -hmm. that are born in the untouchable caste, what you have with the untouchables is basically an organized slavery you have an organized servant class that does all the dirty work that does all the hardship and gets very little pay if any at all because that is your caste. so when you start believing that you are equal then maybe mm-hmm. you don't think that you have to do the lowest level of work maybe you start getting an idea that maybe i want to go to college maybe i want to get an education maybe i want to hire people maybe i don't want to work for free anymore yeah. so this really disturbs the the mm-hmm. harmony that has been set up i don't like to use that word but just to, as a describer the kind of the way things work in the hindu society you disrupt that with the with the gospel. The gospel, I don't think a lot of people see this, but when it comes yeah. to closed countries, Hindu countries, Buddhist countries, communist countries, Muslim countries, the gospel message is a disruptor. It disrupts the injustice. Mm-hmm. And those that are at the top, that benefit from the injustice, don't like the gospel message. It is those that are lost, those that are oppressed. That's why the Bible, I think, really does speak to the oppressed people because the gospel message really does lift them out of their mire and gives them hope for the future. Right.
0: So, yeah, and as you said, like they don't, government don't want to help, people don't want to help, but it bothers if they convert to Christianity. And, uh, you know, like they're very poor and if you just try to help them, they're after you telling like, okay, you are converting them by giving money. <laughs> like they're poor. <laughs> they're poor people. You're trying to help them out for their for their education. You're trying to help them for... So, uh, so this couple are working among those people and they are the ones, you know, eager to receive a gospel because they've never heard before. First time they are thinking God... You know they are accepted. They are loved by this God Jesus, and miracles are happening among them. So they are like they just take all their Hindu gods, their idols, and throw it. That's what they're doing. So, so there is a big wave happening around there in, among the persecution, uh, persecuted believer. That's what I would say. So. Um, And I was very curious, how did Sister Shamim come to know the Lord? And I said, please tell me what is going on. How did you accept? Why are you willing to go through the persecution from your own people who are spitting on you when they see you? You know, the Muslim people right across their house, they would just spit on them or, you know, they'll spit on the street or they throw the stones uh, at their house. And why are you willing to do all these things? And then she shared the story with me, like how she came to Christ. So, Sister Shamin grew up in a Muslim family, and uh, she, her mom, left when she was she was uh, little, and she was raised by her grandparents. And she had so much bitterness towards her. Uh, parents, because she she did not have father or mother, and grandparents were raising, and in a complete Islamic way. And when she was sixteen, she got married to this Muslim man. So she thought her life was going to be better. And when she comes home, uh, but. You know, all she is following every possible Islamic thing, like praying five times, reading Quran, reciting whatever. She is doing all these things, but she sees that her in laws' family is no better than her own family. There's so much chaos, and life goes on. She has a daughter, and then she is get, she started getting sick. She said that she started coughing a lot. No doctors were able to find out what it was. So they were just injecting and injecting and taking scans after scans and blood work. Everything was normal, but she would not stop coughing. And they did every possible thing. And she was pregnant with her son, the second son. And then uh, she she said, all I was doing is lying down and praying that I wanna die. That's the only hope because she had given up and all the, all she was praying is like, I wanna die, I wanna die. And there was a believer who was living around their neighborhood, became her husband's friend, just a regular believer, and then he comes home and then uh, he just prayed for her. A very simple five minutes prayer and she said that uh, I did not cough for five minutes, then 30 minutes for an hour. And for like a few days, I did not cough. And I just became so curious. Who is this kind of God? Like somebody prayed like for five minutes and I am, I am doing good. How did this happen? Who is this God? And then what happens is like, Long story short, she had a son and she became curious about Jesus and she really liked him as a prophet. Maybe this prophet is doing so much miracles. And that brother who prayed for her gave her some Bible and also put that Jesus picture <laughs> calendar. So she took it in her house and her son, um, The grand, uh, I don't know if people can relate, like, we have two wheelers in India, and usually the grandparents and uncles take the children on a ride. You know, just making them sitting on the front, and the, they take them on the ride, and the kids love it. So the grandfather takes the son, like two year old um, son, and he takes it on a ride, and that two year old son died while she was even trying to figure out who Jesus is or whatever. And she was shattered. So the guest comes and they saw the picture of Jesus in that house and they said, This is why it happened. Because you had this, this thing, you offended Allah. And I think you should throw all these things so that your your daughter is not going to die. You know, it's it's scary already. One of your child is dead. And people are saying things that they're not supposed to say. Oh, you don't want to lose your daughter. And um, just remove all these things only because of this picture. Allah got mad and your son is dead. So she started developing hatred towards this God, Jesus again, you know, she was healed. She wanted to figure out Jesus. And then in between, the son dies. So she gets back to Islam and she was crying that God, you know how it's important it's to have a son in the Muslim family. She was So she was praying, Lord, give me, Allah, give me a son. And people were advising, read this passage of Quran and you will have a son. Read that passage of Quran, you will have a son. And she just had another daughter. So she was very upset. But anyway, she did not want to lose uh, this daughter. So she accepted, okay, this was Allah's um, will for her. And one day she was cleaning the house or something. That Bible, somehow that brother gave, fell from, uh, uh, like she said, she was on a shelf or something that just fell on her feet. And she was so angry at Jesus. She said that with her feet, she just threw that Bible because she thought that that's the God who killed her son. And then she said, like, Again, she started coughing. The second that she started stamping on that uh, Bible, she started coughing again. And she heard a voice apologize to me. And she is like, Who are you? And then she apologized and her cough stopped. And then she got so scared. And then she said, Who are you, God? I want to know you. And then <laughs> next day, that same brother who pray, bring the Bible and bring it to her and give it to. And he's trying to give it to her. And she was so afraid. I'm not touching this Bible because it may bring death. <laughs> and then she hears a sound. You are the one who asked that you want to know me. And so she takes it reluctantly and put it on the table and she's so afraid you can imagine the emotion like she's a muslim knows nothing about jesus but this god is talking to her and already she lost her son and people are telling it's because of jesus so she's so confused and then she said in the morning she had a cup of tea and just sitting and asking do i need to know you who are you And then she said, she she doesn't know what vision is. She saw that everybody in the world was bowing down to this one man, Jesus. Like she said, I could not describe. I saw everybody was kneeling down at at Jesus. That's when she started reading the Bible. And she said that Jesus would... uh, Jesus would come and sit near her couch and would teach her the scriptures.
1: Wow. Both so, the husband so,
0: and wife so became a believer.
1: She said that Jesus came uh-huh. and sat in her home
0: yeah. on her
1: couch and taught her this the is, Bible. Yeah. Wow.
0: That's what she said. And she said she was so terrified even to sit on that couch for a year or so <laughs> because it was such a holy place for
1: her. How, how many and times did this happen? Did this happen once? Did this happen more than once?
0: No, she said several times. Really? Several times. Yeah. Like she said, I learned Bible. This was not the first person saying this, Eugene. You remember the other lady said the same thing. They both are not related. They both are from a different state. They don't know each other. They both are talking. They both are in ministry right now. (laughs) And it's, India is like 1.4 billion people. It's not possible that everybody know each other, you know? (laughs) They do not know their story. And the same coin may, and here's the thing, like as we discussed, like the persecution, why would somebody go through the persecution if it's not true?
1: Yeah. That is so that what you just brought up is such a powerful example of, uh, to answer critics because, you know, there's a, I remember when I was in university being taught Christianity from a Buddhist and Mm -hmm. the Buddhist had talked about the disciples of Jesus making up the story of the resurrection of, of, of Jesus and Mm -hmm. how they went around sharing this religion. And I'm like, do you understand that the Bible actually gives examples of how cowardice these disciples were? Like Peter denying Jesus three times. Um, All of the disciples scattering during the persecution Mm -hmm. of Jesus and the crucifixion of Jesus. This highlighted their cowardice. This highlighted their humanity. This highlighted their weakness. How did weak men who were scared, Peter was scared of a woman questioning him saying, aren't you with that guy? Aren't you one of the disciples? What? No, I've never heard the name. How how did you go from that to being crucified on a cross and begging those that are crucifying you, do it upside down because I don't Mm -hmm. deserve the honor of being crucified crucified right side up as my Jesus was. How yeah. do you go from being a coward to people around a bonfire thinking that mm-hmm. you are uh, associated with Jesus to being a bold individual ready to give your life yeah. by preaching the gospel, knowing that you're going to be killed, knowing that you're going to be gruesomely tortured? Yeah, That mm-hmm. by itself shows that you've had some sort of supernatural experience. Even if that supernatural experience is not real, it's been real enough to you to completely transform you in a way where you're willing to sacrifice everything, including your life.
0: So that mm-hmm. means
1: that there has been something that's happened and what you've just said, I think is key. It really hits the, ham- the the nail right on the head with the idea that if this wasn't true, because people can hear this and be like, come on, do you think Jesus, Jesus mm-hmm. sat down mm-hmm. on your couch in your living room in India and taught mm-hmm. you the Bible? Well, she believed yeah. it so much that she's willing to face persecution and even give her life. And what you said is also very significant because we saw, we see it also right now today in Iran where individuals mm-hmm. see Jesus come to them in their home, in their bedroom, and they appear before their eyes. And it's happening, yeah. happening independently in, in so many different instances that it's hard to ignore. It's hard to say that this, if it's one person, it's like, okay, well, that's interesting. Maybe that person is crazy. Two Mm. people, three people, four people, none of them connected just independently. What is interesting, Banu, is that you have independent connection with many of these different women that are experiencing this and they're sharing it with you. So as you, as our listener that's listening to this podcast right now, this might be something that you're critical of. That's fine. You may Mm -hmm. not believe what Banu is saying, that's fine. Look at this with a a bit of skepticism. I I beg you. But also know that our God is not dead. Our God is alive. And if he appeared to his disciples in the first century church, I believe that he can appear to his people today. If he appeared to uh, Saul or Paul, at the, at the sign that he had in Damascus,
0: he could Run. appear
1: to people today that do not know him. Mm-hmm. I don't believe it's beyond him to sit down and teach and share with this wonderful woman who's yeah. come to Christ. Yeah, and
0: then the very fear she had, you know, the enemy put like, because of Jesus, she lost her son. Today, she is saying like she would gladly give all, two of her daughters for the Lord. You know, like even if they kill, I don't care because Jesus is true living God. So from that point to coming to this point, the change of heart, it's, if it's not true, why would somebody give their children? <laughs> and it's, it's amazing, Eugene, like what these ladies share. It's like they are very simple, simple people very simple
1: people so powerful so powerful let me let me ask yeah. you this banu uh, as we close i want to ask you one final question uh when you are doing the interview or not the interview i think interview is probably the, because you're doing bible studies you're comforting these women you're praying together with these women is is there something that you heard from her that she would ask for us as listeners to pray for uh, well all they want is the believers to come to the lord
0: i mean it's nothing personal after that. It's all like they want to preach the gospel. And they are like, oh, pray for my estate. Pray for my believers. Pray for our church. After that, it becomes like pray for our church. Pray that the gospel would go swiftly. That that becomes their main prayer. After all it. these things. Love it. <laughs> all they want is like pray for the church. Pray for the
1: believers.
0: Pray for miracles to happen in my church. <laughs> their prayer, everything is
1: shifted, you know? Awesome. Well, Banu, I wanna thank you so much for bringing this testimony to the forefront. This was another amazing week. You continue to blow my mind. You continue to get these amazing stories that nobody else has heard before and share them with the Back to Jerusalem audience. I'm so very thankful. Uh, Week after week, you continue to amaze me. Um, I don't know how many more weeks we can go, but you just keep coming up with these amazing stories from the women that you're ministering to. We pray for you. We pray for wisdom to be upon you, that the Holy Spirit be upon you. You have become like a mother to many of these women that are calling in on a weekly basis. Women that are suffering persecution from the government. Women that are suffering persecution from their families. People that are suffering from isolation from society. Those that are being taught directly by Jesus himself, but still have questions. And you have been uh, just an amazing Uh, Saint being used by Christ. So, Banu, thank you for sharing with us and thank you for sharing with those uh, women that have converted and become Christians.
0: Thank you so much, Eugene, for having me. I'm Mm -hmm. blessed.
1: And I'm looking forward to next week's testimony. And I want to thank you for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of America. God bless you.